0: Message from Starfleet Command, top priority.
1: You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 116, featuring Trek Minutia. Welcome Star Trek fans, I'm Jim Morehouse, I'm the host of the Trek Breaks Podcast, and tonight we have got a fun one for you, it's Trek Minutia, it's just going to be all about these little, small, precise, or trivial details of something, aka Trek, that is the definition of Minutia, so we're just going to pick five incredibly crazy minutia, just detail-oriented things and talk about those. I don't even know what we're doing. We've got Adam Drozen, seven-time trek ranks veteran who's been here for some of our craziest shows, Food Moments, Divas, lots of others, just the two of us. We are we are in person, we're in the same quadrant and uh, we're gonna talk minutia. Drosen, welcome back.
0: Hey, hi, hello. Glad to be back for Lucky Number Seven.
1: Good to have you here. Let's get into this with our track Ranks recalibration.
2: Let's start with something small, like a recalibration of the EPS manifolds.
1: As regular listeners will know by now, General Order Number One of the Track Ranks Charter is that we love track, we love to rank track. via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started. And remember, it's not about the ranks. We're not even going to rank tonight. We're just going to list five things we want to talk about. But what is
2: that book and motto? Infinite diversity. In infinite combinations. Hmm. <laughs> and what is diversity? But, uh, a
0: celebration of differences.
1: And as pull Dr. Fox just said, Trek Ranks is basically just a big old celebration of differences. There are no wrong answers at Trek Ranks. It's not about being right or definitive in any way. It's just about sharing the things we love about Trek, and we love it all from TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise and the COVID timeline, and now Discovery, Short Trek, Star Trek, Picard, Lower Decks. And soon we'll have Star Trek Prodigy to talk about as well. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks Podcast. Black Alert. Black Alert. And one final reminder that we use episodes as a shorthand term, but the 13 films are always in play as well. i boost of power to the communications bandwidth. We appreciate that, Mr. Kim. And you can find Trek Ranks on subspace at trekranks.com. You can contact me directly on Twitter at Trek Ranks or at Enterprise Extra. You can also call leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP at 609-512-5527. Okay, Adam, how can people get a hold of you on subspace? Hit me up on Twitter, Adam
0: Drosin, at
1: Adam Drosin. (laughs) (laughs) A-D-A-M-D-R-O-S-I-N, talking about Sin and Drosin. You can't spell Drosin without Sin. (laughs) That's right. All right, we're going to go straight into our Prime Directive and get into some minutia. But what you're proposing is exactly the kind of tampering the Prime Directive prohibits. Okay, Adam, as I said before, minutia is defined as small, precise, or trivial details about something. So how did you approach this topic, which you suggested, by the way, and how did you narrow down your list?
0: Well, my prime, primary directive, as always on Trek Ranks, is to get a big reaction out of you. So, that's my first and foremost goal with putting together this and any list on Trek Ranks. But specific to this episode, the idea I was sort of putting around with my show was that if it was something I could explain to somebody who doesn't know Star Trek or even has a passing uh, familiarity with Star Trek in under a minute, and they'd be okay. That's not minute enough. If it's something I could explain to someone who likes Star Trek, and they're like, wait, what? Even after a full minute? I'm like, now we're getting somewhere. More specifically, I know firsthand, and I mean this in the best way, you've got some real freaks for listeners. <laughs> and I, I again, I mean this freaks in, in the highest regard. Freaks right back! Fight Rather, freaks fight back! brother! freaks united or freaks, freaks Freak, no more! Say it with me! Freaks fight, freaks back. fight back! Yeah, freaks fight back! Freaks
1: fight
0: back! Freaks fight back! Freaks fight back! is what they were all chanting. We were all doing it in unison. Uh, people who know uh, uh, Star Trek
1: to a, a
2: granular level,
0: as it were. I'm trying to impress this, the Trek Ranks listeners. I'm trying to impress... Our buddies in the snark pit. Shout out to the <laughs> snark pit. So I think as we progress through this list, you'll start to see how deep I'm trying to go in that regard and specific to my interests as they intersect with Trek at large.
1: Granular. I like that. And your interests, like, in terms of your, your film background? We'll see. Okay. All right. We're going to find out. So for me, I... I cover a little bit of everything on my list. I have some that are in universe, some that are something like something that's happening in an episode that's minutia related. I have some that are just production related. I have some that are a little bit in between. I have some where I'm just diving into some stats because, you know, I love stats. So I thought this is a good chance to break down some numbers. So I've got a little bit of everything and I'm excited about my list. Okay. Let's do it. First Kodekuton, introduce us to the minutiae of things. It'll be alphas like us that determine the future of this quadrant. That will be the new order of things. Thank you, First Kodekuton. As always, a quick reminder of how we're going to go through the order of things. First, everyone, will reveal their five-word summary and hashtag to tease their pick. Then we'll each reveal our Trek minutia and the specific reasons we're highlighting it in the And the episode in which it appeared. I didn't tell you that. Hopefully you have an episode. And then, because I like my stats, and at the end, we'll ask everyone for a few everyone. Since me and Rose, in the same room, at a desk, we'll ask both of us for, (laughs) we'll both list some secondary system selections for the picks that just missed our list. And if there's any duplicates, there's not going to be. Listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. Okay, Adam, let's do it. Trek Minutia, down and dirty. What do you got? Let's get into it. Five words and a hashtag.
0: Toot, toot, ah beep, beep, hashtag. How is this real? What else could it be other than the only vampire that accompanied the Amazon Prime version of the episode Alliances from Star Trek
1: Voyager? Okay, I cannot believe you're picking this. And so I'm going to give the background here. So if people don't know this... I mean, it was like ten years that if you watch the episode Alliances, <laughs> for some reason, some programmer loaded in a version that when they're introducing the Kazon at the big, the finale, the, big the, year, the final scene where all the Kazon, everyone's coming to this uh, table but the conclusion. Instead of, like, they're announcing their names, and they're walking down the stairs, and somebody has layered in, like, <laughs> like and, like, cheering, like a trumpet horn sound from, like, uh, Robin Hood. Medieval Some times. kind That's of medieval insane. times. It is so funny. They finally corrected it, though, right? It's not there anymore. I don't. We'll have
0: to check. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't think it's there anymore. I was just talking to somebody the other day about this. I love that this is... This is granular. I am wondering how many people actually know about this. I'm well aware of it. I have laughed about it quite often. But deeper, I want to know, who did it?
0: Yeah. It was a
1: conscious decision. Somebody made a conscious decision to have that live on Netflix for like 10 years. My head canon
0: is that it's an incursion from an alternate timeline <laughs> where that's the, just the canon version of the scene. That's how it broadcasts in that.
1: Can I please hear your five words again? Five words in a hashtag, tutu two, two, aw beep beep. <laughs> hashtag, how is this real? Oh my God. I, I can't even believe that. The first marches of the case on order. Minus
2: <laughs> of the Pobar.
1: <laughs> Surround of the Mastral. Okay, let's go to my number five. That's fantastic. My five words in a hashtag: Deltas as a design aesthetic, hashtag from 1966 to 2021. Now, I'm going to start off by saying that that people know this, especially in recent track. There's a lot of, one of my favorite things is this, is how much the Delta insignia has been used as a design element really a lot in the last few years so it started with 2009 with the uniforms they have this the fabric of it's the like kelvin timelines yeah. like the texture they have the, the little deltas cool and that was really cool and then discovery used it a ton so they have it they have the same kind of uniform embossment they have buckles on the shoes they have they have deltas everywhere on on discovery and lower decks Super cool. They have them on the soles of the shoes, and I love that. Whenever they have, whenever they flash the soles of the shoes, and I started thinking about how cool that is, and then I realized this. And so the episode I'm picking is going way back to TOS and the Enemy Within to show just how long they've been doing this. It's the first, it's the fourth episode of Trek, and it's the first episode with Kirk's green wraparound uniform, which uses a delta as like the belt. It's not a. It's like a Velcro buckle. Yeah, yeah, and it straps over and uh, and locks. And I love that Delta. I love seeing the Delta everywhere. So I've got the Delta as a design as a design aesthetic. Uh, Drozen,
0: what do you think? It's great. It's uh, it's like the original Nike swoosh, right?
1: <laughs> Actually, that's pretty good. It's I a mean, great piece of branding,
0: you know. It's like it's just you know immediately That's Star Trek. That's what that is, you know.
1: Love the Delta. Love it everywhere. Okay, let's go to round four. What's your number four pick? Man, this one's really good. This is the first yeah. one that I sort of
0: thought of in terms of my Uh Five words and a hashtag. More futuristic than the future. Hashtag Space Hilton Redefined. Number four choice is the interior design on the USS Dauntless Registry NX-01A also known as Ray Wise, a.k.a. Arturus' fake shit from the season four finale of Star Trek Voyager, Hope and Fear.
1: But wait, now what's the <laughs> in here? Just how cool that ship looks, man. Like, oh,
0: I love it. It's it's so, it's like ASMR. It's so satisfying. And it's so clever in the way that, like, he's designed this ship to be attractive to them. It's like, oh, this has to be what, you know, the future or the next evolution of our ship would be. And, you know, it's just very satisfying, this sort of light panel design. It's very soft light and it's beautiful. The the curvature of the The warp core is one of those Spencer Gifts plasma orbs, which is really funny. And I don't know, it's just sort of uh, very satisfying to me, very specific. And it it makes me think of something that Brandon Braga talked about a lot when they were promoting enterprises, like, you know, we wanted to make it a prequel because what would more futuristic than the future look like? And I'm like, well, first of all, you've been designing it on a weekly basis for your entire career. So that's a good point. But <laughs> here's where it, what it would look like. It looks cool as hell is the answer. It looks like Arturus's uh, fake ship, the Dauntless.
1: That ship is so sleek. I love, I love the exterior design of it. It's really, really, I mean, it just looks fast. That's cool. kind of the whole point. Yeah. It's fit to, to entice them. And listen, any time Ray Wise gets a shout-out on Trek Ranks, I am happy. All-time great, great, great actor. has been in a couple episodes. including who watches the Watchers? Lico, we love him. Um, all right, that's an awesome design. I, I mean, awesome pick. I can't believe you went through a design aesthetic as well. I meant fantastic. Uh, all right. Give him a little
0: Voyager pocket
1: here. That's will, right, will right he leave, a he leave the
0: pocket? Well, <laughs> all Here's right. We'll check out.
1: All right, let's go to my number four. This is another in... Well, this is kind of a production slash in-universe one. So five words and a hashtag. NX-01 computer interface a la Okuda hashtag building to enterprise. And this is the enterprise NX-01 computer interface design. And the minutiae element is... The fact that Michael Kuda, and I remember when I first read this or heard about it, and I don't remember where it was. I, even, I tried to research it for this. I actually couldn't find it anywhere. Um, so hopefully it's not apocryphal of just making this up. But I know it's true because I've seen it. In the design, you know, you have those, you have the columns of, like, rectangular, col- colorful rectangles. And in the first season, they kind of had one along the side. And then in the second season, they had two columns. And they built all the way to like four columns in those little uh, screens that you see everywhere on the NX-01. And the idea was that the ship's becoming more automated, manual, uh, and similar to the Enterprise, the original Jeffries, Matt Jeffries Enterprise, which has all those jelly beans and buttons and knobs that are just colorful and all over the place. And you have no idea what they are. And I've always said this, that's way more futuristic than what the NXO one looks like. Look at the Enterprise, Matt Jeffries' design, what they did here. I've never understood people who said they thought the NXO one looked more futuristic than the Enterprise uh, from TOS because it didn't.
2: It looks Although more modern
1: in you know, a production right. sense. Right. It looks but more if, current. But, but if you're on the enterprise, the original current enterprise bridge, you have no, no idea, idea what is going on. It's just buttons. Is, of, yeah. you, don't, you don't have no. It's so minimal. You have no idea what they do because it's so futuristic. Great. And then the nx one, they were slowly kind of building toward that aesthetic in a real subtle. Background way, and I love Mike Akuda for that. Super cool. And the episode I picked, there's a bunch of shots of it. And this episode's going to come up later in one of my picks because I found something out about it in some minutia research. The episode is Kirshara. There's Uh, a a bunch of cool shots where you can see the four columns of rectangles in that episode. Mr. Droden, what do you think of that Mike Akuda design? It's a great one.
0: Akudograms are just like, yeah, any episode, you're just like, what is that? What is we looking at? It's always like, like you awesome. know, I want to look a little bit closer, you know? It's it's a great, uh, uh, minush, uh, pick. I and, mean, uh, you know, the uh, I didn't know that about the four columns, that's that's real interesting.
1: Yeah, and the, the truth is, acutograms could just be, we could just do a whole app on them. Oh, we are going to do a whole app on the acutogram at some yeah. point now. That's fantastic. I can't believe that. On the list. It is now. Okay. Also,
0: one of my secondary systems,
1: the Jelly Bean
0: Buttons. <laughs> okay. So I love it. Early,
1: early secondary
0: hit you got there.
1: Okay. So, we are going to the Soup Round with the originator of the Soup Round, Mr. Adam
0: Grozen. You know, it's so funny. Adam, you think of this when I was putting together this, uh, but this is the perfect Soup Round choice. Okay. And, uh You're going to get one in just a second. Five words and a hashtag Intergalactic Man of Culinary Mystery. Hashtag cosplay goals. What else could it be other than the fact that we never see Chef's face in Star Trek?
1: <laughs> that is something dude.
0: <laughs> it just brings me such joy. It's just such a funny little ongoing gag. And, uh, you know, my, my finest cosplay hour was being Chef at a full chef outfit STLB with a black spandex mask.
1: And a catfish. And a plush cat. Oh my God. It's one of the best costumes ever. It was, what was the, it was like a, it was black It's like a just black spandex mask. mask so, like, you are just had like to void where my face was. We might have to uh, put that in our album art. Just, uh, we do, we're in the discovery chair. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best picture. Uh, I love Chef not being ever identified or seen. I actually love the way they used it in the final with Riker and these other boys. It's just fun. It. It's just a fun little ongoing thing good with them. You know, it doesn't have to mean anything. Why did you pick an episode?
0: Uh, I picked the Catwalk because
1: catwalk. that's I where you see full, full body, body shots. If you chef. See
0: it's like, no looks like mm-hmm. we down. They're we like, "Thanks, Chef," and he just like walks away. So good. <clears throat> Thanks, Chef. Thanks, Chef. Pot roast. Oh, God. That's the third time
1: in three days. And perfect for the soup
0: brand. I didn't even realize it
1: until you said it's the
0: soup brand. It God, it's meant to be, truly meant to be. I love
1: it. All right, so my number three pick is it's this one is about characters being focused on Minutia. and I love this episode. And I it's perfect for Minutia. Five words and a hashtag an episode filled with Minutia, hashtag power conversion levels at ninety seven point two percent. It is Force of Nature from TNG Season 7, episode that I love that everybody else hates. That's where he kills himself in a thing, right? No, that is the one where they outlaw Warp 5, oh, Yeah, that's travel over Warp scary. 5. It's, so this episode is just filled with minutia. The first 20 minutes is basically just Data and Geordi walking around, talking about training his cat, training spot, you know, Jordan talking about getting a cat, his sister's cat. Phase alignment, power conversion. They don't even get to the plot for like 20 minutes. There's like this little bit of mystery in the background of this weird space, but the the main catalyst of the plot doesn't show up for 20 minutes. It's just these two. And my favorite part is the Fords trying to stabilize routing EPS conduits into the stabilizing matrix of the warp core to try and get the the higher power conversion levels just so he can have a better number that means nothing versus uh, his guy from, what's his name, Donald Kaplan, chief engineer of the Intrepid. They went to the academy together. His power conversion levels were 97.1, and Jordy was trying to do all this crap just to get it to 97.2. And I love when Data's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, I just want to get it higher. Jordy. There has been a slight
0: drop in sensor efficiency. Perhaps we should examine the phase buffers. No problem, Data. I'll be right with you. Okay, Hanson, transfer the EPS conduit 13 to the stabilizer matrix. Hi,
1: sir. Is there a problem with the engines? No.
2: Then why are you stabilizing the EPS conduit? Just trying to get a slightly higher power conversion level. But that would not affect the engines in any way.
0: I know that, Data. It's not the point. What is the point? <laughs> I'm just trying to get a higher conversion level, that's all.
1: Fine. Why? Fantastic. I love it. They have they spend like two scenes on this. Like the first time he does it, he doesn't get anywhere. The second time he gets it. And he's got this happy little joy of the minutia of getting his power conversion levels higher than his, than his buddy. I love it. What do you think? Force of nature. Dude, what a call. Uh Real starchy
0: app, which I kind of like, you know, like just a real. This we're just here to. Just, I mean, I think the bulk of the episode just like takes place in the conference room.
1: Like, There's like,
0: nothing happening. There's not nothing. they are out of money, you know. They're like, when the show is ending, we're putting all this money into the movie and the and the finale, and uh, just talk talk for now. I
1: it's great. It is a very very talky episode. Okay, let's go to round two. I can't wait to talk about my two top two picks. Adam, what's your number two pick? Artifacts of a bygone era.
0: Hashtag whole grain goodness. What else could it be other than the optical grain over the TOS credits? Oh, and now of course. Now you're not your of course you're picking. Now, me. if you don't know what optical grain is, you know what it looks like. Because if you've seen the, the TOS credits, you know, they're like, it looks a little weird. It doesn't look like, uh, as high quality as the rest of the footage that it was taken from. And that's because. When uh, that show was made in the 1960s, in order to get a freeze frame type image, you had to do something called an optical printing. So essentially you're running that same frame of film through... Uh, the camera, that's the thing, and then print it out on the film multiple times over. So it becomes grainier. It looks a little messed up. And uh, I don't know. I find it very
1: uh, relaxing <laughs> and satisfying to look at. <laughs> you love the optical grain. I, I love this. This is the perfect Drozma He who's a film nerd, to say the least. My favorite thing about TOS credits has always been since I was a little kid, my brothers and I would sit there for the credits, and we would scream episode title, be the try to be the first one to yell Menagerie, the Cage, Arena, anytime the credits popped up. We saw the uh, so it's, fun. We saw the, I the episode titles. So I've always wondered why they couldn't, why they didn't upgrade those.
0: I feel, I really want them, them to. I, I feel like there's, there's it's
1: such a because even in the Blu-ray, they're still you're still great. Yeah, it's like they took what it was and made it. High depth, but it's still it's grainy. Beautiful. There's something. There's a character to it. It's
0: like that's what the closing credits of
1: TOS look like. So what else?
0: What else could it be other than <laughs> the, the Corellian? Uh, 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 exactly. Yeah, the, okay. uh, the face, the Bailock face. Yeah, it's like that's the classic. They spoof it in Futurama. It's like well, you
1: could have picked Vina. You know, oh, that's, that's great. great. That's, that's great too. The, but no, yeah, it's yeah. it's got
0: to be Baylock. It's so yeah. iconic.
1: I love it. Okay. Let's go to my round two pick. My top two picks are just super, super nerd. Yes. Star Trek, Morehouse, Minutia. Five words and a hashtag on number two. Stats and numbers across 801 hashtag by any other name. Get ready. My episode is statistical probabilities from Deep Space Nine, only because that's the perfect title for what I'm about to relay. I am just gonna relay a bunch of cool, interesting numbers about Star Trek titles and statistics. So here we go, I'm just gonna rattle off a whole bunch. There are 167 episodes of Star Trek that begin with the word the, which I thought is a pretty cool, I always wanted to know that, and so I looked it up and figured it out, 167. There's 11 that start with the word a, Eight start with the word in. Four, actually, somebody, there's a few here, random ones. Four uh, that actually start with the word Terra, which I thought was cool. And five that start with home, kind of similar. And four that start with the word future. There is also three each of who, what, where. Three episodes that start with who, what, or where. And two that start with when, so who, what, where, when. There are... In terms of letters, 215 episodes out of 801 start with the letter T. Who knew that? I know it now, and so do you. I love stats. There are only two episodes that are just numbers, 1159 and 11001001. Every single letter of the alphabet except one has a title that starts with that letter, and the letter, of course, is X. So we need to get X some some love. But here's the thing. I mentioned this before. There's only one letter that starts a title with this letter, and that is K. Kirshara is the only... Episode that starts with Kirshara. Every other letter has multiple episode titles that start with those. So I just really bored you for like four minutes talking about statistical numbers related to episode titles, statistical probabilities. I should have said, Droza, what do you think? What's your takeaway on those ridiculous numbers that mean nothing? That
0: was a masterpiece. <laughs> that was like a master class in Trent
1: Minutia. What was your favorite one? <laughs> uh, probably Kyrshara. I, I, oh, that was, was, was kind of a cool one to add on, and uh, I, I, I can't even imagine what you have saved for number one. Number one is, is really cool. Okay, here we go. Our number one picks. What do you got? Guys, this is something I've been screaming
0: about for a long time. You maybe have been lucky to hear about it in person at STLB or caught, caught a little bit on Twitter, but for those uninitiated, you're about to get a full adult dose. Five words on a hashtag. All hail Matt Leonetti, ASC. Hashtag cinematic style for the two. This is specifically the shift
2: in lighting and camera work that
0: occurs in Deep Space Nine and Voyager after the release of the film Star Trek First Contact.
1: Okay, tell us more. Wait, isn't this Marvin Rush? Isn't he like the guy who did a bit of it Nobel? Marvin Rush did, in fact, shoot both of these shows. But what
0: I'm talking about specifically is light, how different light. these shows look after the release of the film First Contact. Before that movie, I think you can look at both Voyager and Deep Space Line and see sort of a gauziness, a softness that is inherent not just to those shows, but Early '90s cinematography at large. Mm-hmm. After First Contact, you can see the light gets a little bit harder. It's not as diffuse. The colors are a little bit colder. Everything looks a little bit sharper. And I think you can also see that in uh, uh, the you know Fight Club. Uh, Surge so you know commercials look like Surge Soda now instead of Cotton, the fabric of our lives. So I think. It's fascinating to sort of see what they took from their biggest big screen success in terms of, oh, this is how we can have our TV shows look a little bit more of the time, a little bit more cinematic without, you know, redefining the wheel. They don't look drastically different. They just look a little sharper, a little edgier, a little bit more elevated, if you will. And I think that's the kind of minutia that I can screen about for an hour, but I'll leave it at that.
1: Oh my God! So okay, I love this pick. This so it's it was it also was that a general style that happened around that time too? I think it, so. Like, I think film stock started to get really fast, yeah, beat, and you yeah.
0: could shoot in darker, lower lights, it's sharper sharp. image. Yeah.
1: So I'm wondering which. Uh, so that would have been right near the end of these Space Nine. So ninety six. Oh no, ninety six. I was thinking yeah. ninety eight. So so two, so still two or three more seasons of Deep Space Nine yeah. and. About five of Voyager. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so a little sharper, a little darker. I need to start looking for that now. I don't know there's stuff like that.
0: Think about something like
1: an episode. I Hope and Fears probably me to
0: Hope and Fears is a great example. Yeah. It's really sharp. Uh, and it's dark,
1: um, and it's, it's got it's really it's, it's hard. Moony. Yeah. And I think of we've talked many a time
0: about. Uh, uh, the Double and uh, Deep Space Nine, Infer- Inferno and Purgatory's light. Yep. you know, yep. those are very uh, sort of moodily lit on the, uh, you know, the uh, oh, Dominion yeah. prison camp, yep. you know, so I, I, that comes to mind. You know, in some of the earlier stuff, especially like, uh, I, I think of in the pilot episode, you know, uh, uh, you know, the flashbacks to Dax, you know, going from Curzon to Jazzy, and it's so soft and gauzy, and, you know, it's a flashback. It's a choice they're making. Yep. But that's something that you really don't even start to see as, as the seasons progress. I think it's – uh and you can
1: really see that shift after first contact. Yeah, okay. And it's, So you, are you thinking first contact? First contact will be the pivot point. It's there, the pivot point. point. Yeah. I love this. So we are about to also talk about the pivot Oh, oh snap. Okay. okay, my number one pick, five words and a hashtag. And this one is just – to talk about the sheer respect for the people who make Star Trek. It's unbelievable, and we're going to put it in a little context right now with some Trek minutia. Five words on the hashtag every week for six years. Hashtag Trek production heyday. So from, I'll name the episode in a second. For six calendar years, from January 1st, 1993 to December 31st, 1998, there were 304 episodes of Star Trek that were made across 312 weeks of the calendar. So basically, these people are making one episode of Star Trek every week and we know the quality of those 304 episodes and what they were putting what they were putting out with Rick Berman overseeing it with the showrunners, with the directors that were rotating in the writers rooms, these actors 304 episodes of Star Trek across 312 weeks. One episode a week? That's crazy to think about What? how much work and dedication that takes. So we can also break down a little bit more. If you include two-hour movies or two-hour episodes like the three TNG movies, uh, Emissary, and uh, Caretaker, and a few others, There were actually 309 hours of track across 312 weeks. So literally one hour a week for six years. I find that amazing. Of course, we're going to break it down by stats now. TNG had 40 of those episodes plus three films. Deep Space Nine, 158. So almost their entire run. And Voyager, 103. And each year averaged a little over 50. So 1993 was 55 94 was only 41, and then 52, 53, 52, and 51 episodes in 1998. I love these stats. We're breaking it down. Just think about, just know that for six years, these wizards produced one episode of Star Trek. That's just incredible. That's and we're almost gonna get back to that point, maybe when we're getting one episode a week. But uh what do you think? Man, that's good stuff.
0: That's the sweet spot. That's my favorite spot. Track That's as well, the good stuff is my opinion. I mean, it's all good stuff,
1: but that's really the sweetest of the sweet spots as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that is the truth. If you were looking at it, I think most would agree that that six year window from-, oh, from just any of those episodes in that window, just throw it, throw it on,
0: zone out, watch it so intently, good. zone out on it, whatever. It's, it's good stuff. It's all. Even the bad stuff is pretty good. Oh, yeah. all good
1: all good. Okay, and the episode, I forgot. So the first episode of that run was Emissary, Deep Space Nine, which premiered January of 93. And the last episode was It's Only a Paper Moon, which aired at the very end of December in 1998, so that was my choice. Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Okay, any secondary systems picks, uh, Mr. Drozen? Hey, I mentioned the jelly bean
0: buttons before. Yep. I just feel like that's such another like low-key iconic thing that's very specific, very minutiae, very Star Trek. And to that degree, I also have to give a shout-out. A little bit too broad for my specific thing, but uh, engine noise, you
1: know? Oh, God, the oh, yes. home. You know, and I
0: think how how perfectly they did that in lower decks says everything that i could say about why engine noise is great
1: you know yeah that scene is fantastic i had uh ranks and pips i could have gone deep on that ship classifications as well i love the minutiae there star dates was something i thought about and the one i came closest to picking was my toughest cut i really wanted to talk about Reusing stuff, so like kit bash models where it's like the same model and they like turn it upside down or they add a little that on the nose, the glowing
0: tube prop that prop
1: models up. that are reused, like the, like the double glowing tube. the exploding Klingon,
0: uh, or uh, even like effects.
1: or even like matte paintings. So it's yeah. like, so when I think about this, and I'm gonna do some soapbox for a second, when people bitch about oh, at the end of Picard, it was all the same ship, yada yada, yeah, okay, well. First contact, one of the best episodes of TNG, used the matte painting from Angel One. So get over it, okay? That's kind of what happens sometimes in the world of TV production when you're on these crazy deadlines and making one episode of Star Trek a week for six straight years in the '90s. Love it, okay? Awesome, quick Trek ranks breakdown of Trek minutia. Love it. Let's get into our regeneration cycle one recap our picks computer
2: activate regeneration cycle alcoves beta and gamma
1: adam recap your five picks number five the horns and fanfare that accompanied
0: a <laughs> version of the episode
1: alliances in star trek voyager did you say it was on amazon prime I not it, netflix i, or maybe it was, I uh, think it might have been the prime version somehow. i think it was on i don't know whatever it netflix. was very very visible it, yeah, iconic, weird piece of my new show. Yeah, but it might have been an Amazon Prime,
0: Number four, uh, the interior design and exterior design, as discussed, of the USS Gauntless uh, from the episode uh, Copa yeah. from, from Voyager as well. Number three, um, the fact that you never see Chef's face in Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> Number two, the optical grain over the end credits of Star Trek, the original series. Love it. It's classic. Asia. And number one is the shift in lighting and camera style following Star Trek First Contact in both the look of Deep Space Nine and Voyager.
1: Can you give a shout out to the guy, Matt Leonetti? Matt Leonetti was yeah. the
0: DP of both... um First contact and insurrection, and give a shout out to
1: Marvin Rush, too, with Love it. Love it. Okay, my five picks were from TOS, the Delta insignias being a design aesthetic, I used the Enemy Within as my pick. Round four, I had the NX-01 computer interface design by Mike Akuda that was building toward an enterprise. Kirshara was my episode. TNG, I had the minutia of the episode Force of Nature with Data and Jordy talking about cats and power level conversions for 20 minutes before the plot starts. Number two was DS9, Statistical Probabilities, just for the name, because I just went deep on a bunch of stats about titles in Star Trek. And my number one, also from Deep Space Nine, It's Only a Paper Moon, the last episode in a run of 304 episodes made across 312 weeks in a six-year span, and I love that amazing, amazing deep-cut, random Trek minutiae picks. But as we do every week, we've been hit by a temporal distortion. So before we get apart, it's time to hear from you.
2: The temporal distortions are fracturing space-time throughout the ship. Cause
1: unknown. Oh, we know the cosmos, Mr. Tuvok, it's all the amazing feedback that we continue to receive from our listeners here at Trek Ranks. And this week's Temporal Distortion has sent us back to episode 112 in our top five one-off Klingons, which was a super, super popular topic. I love that one. We got a great voicemail from our friend Melanie at Shuttlepod 2 and the host now of uh, First Flight here on the network. And she had a great list. I'm going to play that for you now.
2: Hi, Jim, This is Melanie here from the First Flight Podcast with my picks for top five one-off Klingons. This was a great Trek Ranks episode, and I loved everyone's picks. Number five, Coloss Archer's advocate from Judgment, Enterprise. I really wish he had left Rorapenthe at the end with Archer. He still could have accomplished a lot, and that always bums me out. Number four, Captain Kolar, from Voyager, Prophecy. At the end, when Balana says Kapla to him in the transporter room, I always tear up, every time. Number three, General Chang, from The Undiscovered Country, mesmerizing performance, steals every scene he's in. Number two, General Corinne, from Lower Decks, His scenes with Mariner and Boimler are absolutely hysterical. And Envoys remains my favorite episode of season one. Number one, Kaylist from The Next Generation, Sins of the Father. In her purple fuzzy cloak, with her awesome knife-wielding skills, saving Picard, K-List is badass. I have three secondary systems. Chipok. The Prosecutor from Deep Space Nine, Rules of Engagement. I chose him because I adore this episode and he brings the drama. Care to step onto my battlefield? Dr. Antak from Affliction, Enterprise. I love when he asks about the House of Flocks. And finally, Gorkon from The Undiscovered Country. What a great and wonderful character. That's my list. Thank you and live long and prosper.
1: I really love her top two one-off Klingons. scoring from Lower Decks episode On Boys. It's just fantastic Klingon. And uh Kales, the old eyewitness woman from Sin to the Father. Two, two great, great picks. Awesome list from Melanie. So once again, those picks, more than enough to clear ourselves from this week's Temporal Distortion. So as always, I want to thank everyone again for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Keep your list coming to us at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of Trek minutiae or a list from any of our past shows and give us a call. At the Tricorder Order Transmission at 609-512-5527. That's 609-512-LLAP. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we are previewing the new season of Lower Decks. It's going to be season two of Lower Decks. And as our topic, we're tying this one in because it kind of fits. So we're going to find out what happens with the Bundler, who is left who has left the Cerritos and is on the Titan. We are doing our top five epic comebacks. Because we know Boimler is going to come back to the Cerritos at some point. Not sure how it's going to happen. But uh, that's going to be our topic. Top five epic comebacks. So, Adam, this is the big one. If you had to choose one epic comeback off the top of your head, what would it be? Dark Frontier Borg Queen Comeback. Oh. Come on, on, baby. That's fantastic. That's epic. That is good. I I have to even think about that for a second. That was her first appearance after the movies. That's her comeback. Different actress, Susanna Thompson, but we love her. We love love ST, we love it. Love her. We love Alice Krieger. That's a fantastic pick. I love it. Epic comeback. That's gonna be a fun one. All right, to wrap it up. A huge thanks to Adam Drosen in the room tonight. Great to have you on the show.
0: I was wondering if you could show me how to access these subspace communications logs.
1: And we're gonna do that right now, Neelix. Any Trek subspace communications you wanna relay before we depart, Adam? Thanks for having me back seven times. What a pledge. Pleasure is always an honor and a privilege. And that includes a couple of STLV round tables. Those are ones. the best ones. Those are, those are the worst ones. Those are the worst ones. Okay, we love those shows. Okay. Thanks again, everyone, for engaging with us here on episode 116 of the Trek Race Podcast. As always, I want to close by saying, I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place. Bravo. Hey, to keep the EPS you, while I remodulate the power chaps. This procedure will only
0: increase the conversion level by 0.8%. I know, but it could be just enough. Enough? I just received this from Commander Kaplan,
1: subspace. The forge. I got the intrepid's power conversion levels up to ninety-seven point one percent. Maybe you should try cleaning your plasma grid once in a while.
2: You believe the nerve of that guy?
0: We perform maintenance on the plasma grid at regular intervals. I know. He's just trying to get me angry. There. That should do it. Computer, what are the current power conversion levels?
2: Power conversion levels are at 97.2%.
0: Too bad, Mr. Kaplan.
1: Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends' five-year mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it.
0: Sometimes the hum warp engine sounds just to, you know, soothe myself. Well, that is not what the engine sounds like. Uh, that was Enterprise D at warp four. This is Cerritos. Oh, yeah, 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 I get it. It's like... Fletcher, no. The Cerritos has inverted plasma distributors, so it's a little bit higher pitch, like... Wrong. The shh doesn't come from the distributors. It's the vibrations in the dilithium Lithium disbursement manifold. It's like this. No, guys, guys, it's like this.
2: Dude, I'm telling you, it's... And Voyager was all. Are we doing the engine sounds? (sighs)